The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 on the Friday Point. You can listen to The Point 9 a.m. each weekday at 88.9 FM or at kpov.org. As inappropriate, disgusting, and degrading as the N-word is, we chose to leave the interview in its original, unedited, raw form to not dilute the severity and the racial slur and its negative effects on our culture. We all have a stake in where we choose to live as landowners, homeowners, renters, business owners, and yes, even the homeless. The actions of our elected officials are designed to be for the benefit of the people that inhabit that city, county, state, and the country they represent. The choosing of these officials has never been any more important than they are today, as well as the policies going forward that will affect us all. Make no mistake, anyone who chooses not to think about politics is practicing some level of negligence. I have a perfect voting record in presidential elections, but apparently I suffered a 30-year lapse of consciousness when it came to local governing. I was negligent in doing my homework about the policies and the officials down in the grassroots and the weeds with the people they represent. Not anymore. That homework is part of my volunteer status. And yes, even local politics are actually quite interesting if you choose to do just a little homework. The policies and officials will affect you whether you like it or not. I can think of few people to weigh in on Redmond City Government better equipped than Redmond City Councilman Ed Fitch. Our guest this morning on the Week's End Point, I'm your host voice, Steve, and our voices are made possible by the magical and marvelous skills of my better half, my happy wife, Paula. Our guest today, Ed Fitch, is the ninth of 11 children and grew up just outside Chicago, Illinois. He graduated from Marquette University with a Bachelor of Arts and a Master's Degree in History. Ed moved to Oregon in 1975, attended Willamette Law School, where he obtained his Juris Doctorate in 1978. After moving to Redmond in 1979, Ed married Susan Allison and raised two children, Andrew and Alex, and now have three delightful grandchildren. Our guest, Ed Fitch, has a long career in law and government in Redmond. He has been an attorney in practice since 1983 and is now at the firm of Fitch & Neary since... 2013, and served as city attorney from 1979 to 1996. Ed Fitch was also the mayor of Redmond from 1999 to 2001, chairperson of the Redmond Development Commission from 2010 to 2013, a member of the South U.S. 97 Advisory Committee from 2013 to 2018. He served as president and board member of the Redmond Executive Association. Redmond has been his home for 40 years now, and he says, there is no other place I would rather live and appreciates the opportunity to serve and will strive to make Redmond a community that all will be proud of. Welcome to our show, Ed. I was afraid you wouldn't toot your horn, so I did it for you. (laughs) So thank you. Why don't we get right down to it? I think that you're interested in having more dialogue with citizens. That's why you're here. So from my perspective, Redmond is one of the better communities in the entire nation, and it's got a really bright future. Our climate, our growing business sector, the people who are moving here all make it a very dynamic uh, city. But I think that we can do a much better job from the city council perspective 
of being more inclusive of uh, our growing population and the diversity of our population. Uh, we just don't seem to have enough debate and discussion at the council uh, that would be more inclusive. And let me just give you a couple of examples. We do have a growing homeless population, unfortunately. It's a, that population has a number of different sources, most of which are based in the economy or in mental health issues. And we just haven't gone out of our way to help those who are doing a lot of volunteer work uh, to help homeless uh, people. We haven't put any real capital into it in terms of solving the problem so that we can make sure there's a safe and secure place to have uh, people who are living in vehicles uh, stay at rather than on our city streets. And this is uh, an important issue that we need to address. We also have a lot of, uh, I'll call it growing pains at the city because of our growing population. It's interesting to note that just last year, we added almost 10% to our population, and that's really unprecedented. So we have a lot of work to do, and uh, I think we need to be much more inclusive of uh, our growing community and the diverse population that we have. Most definitely, it's no time for procrastination. I think that's become apparent. I know that in the past, I have not attended city council meetings, and I think it's really important that we emphasize the fact that the citizens of Redmond, as well as the other adjacent cities, all do the same and start watching those city council meetings. Well, it's been tough with the pandemic because, you know, we've been having all our council meetings on Zoom, and it's really not a great vehicle for uh, dialogue and for interaction, even between the council, much less between the council and citizens uh, who want to appear. Fortunately, beginning this month, we're going to have our meetings uh, in person uh, at City Hall, and I would encourage those who want to participate in that process and have input to the city council that they go to these meetings and uh, express their views uh, uh, and become informed on the issues that uh, we are addressing. For example, um, we have, and, and everyone knows this, uh, because of the growing population, a lot of pressure on our transportation system. And we are doing the best we can in terms of trying to address that, but it is always going to lag behind the population growth. We also have, uh, I'll call it, very interesting and exciting uh, new projects uh, online uh, that we're working on, including a lagoon system for our sewer system, expansion of our water system. But the issues that I think are really important to a lot of the citizens aren't those infrastructure issues as much as they are how things are affecting their particular neighborhood, traffic, speed on, on streets, parks, uh, are they safe, are they secure? Uh, those are the things that people like to make sure are being addressed appropriately by the council. We're getting a lot of pressure from the state to increase density in our neighborhoods. I think we have to do our best to try and balance the uh, protection of neighborhood integrity with uh, these directives from the state. I also think that we need to do a much better job of integrating both the east and west sides of our community, which is challenging because of the highway and the railroad tracks. But we have a bright future. We just need to focus on our citizens and their needs and bringing them into, I'll call it the tent, to have dialogues to reach the best solutions on a number of issues. And um, it's been hard with the pandemic because of uh, the inability to have these types of meetings. But now that we can, I would encourage citizens to participate 
and to work with the council on getting solutions that address our community needs. It's become far more important to me personally, you know, as I get more involved. And, you know, I think uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of people find city council meetings a little bit boring. But once you know some of the issues, it, uh, it's really quite interesting and we know it's all going to affect us. So what do you see in terms of, of specific problem areas in Redmond? Are there any neighborhoods that you see that are more disadvantaged than others? Well, you know, recently we had a situation in Northwest Redmond where there was a new development and they were blasting in order to create lines for their sewer and water. That blasting affected a number of homes in Northwest Redmond. And uh, so now we are looking very diligently at our standards for blasting and what to do in these kind of situations uh, because a number of homes were damaged uh, in conjunction with that uh, blasting. And uh, uh, that's a big issue right now. But I do think that what most people look for are things that make their neighborhoods safe, secure, where they enjoy going out for walks, making sure that the traffic's not going to impede their enjoyment of their neighborhood. So I've really pushed uh, to have the council and the city dedicate more funds towards construction of sidewalks, particularly in our older neighborhoods, forcing people, particularly elder people and and children, to have to walk in streets uh, is neither appropriate nor safe. And the more we can do to implement sidewalks in these neighborhoods, the more you get a neighborhood feel and uh, neighborhood communication between people uh, that make life, it just makes life a lot better. And it's a little issue, just sidewalks, but it makes a big difference. Other big issues are not so much infrastructure as they are kind of the social issues are coming to the forefront. We have a growing and diverse uh, population. We have a large number of Hispanics who live here and people of color are, are, are here now that uh, maybe didn't, weren't here 30, 40, 50 years ago. And we haven't adequately, in my opinion, addressed that. Um, we have a city hall that still conveys a white only message when you go in there. It's only got photographs of uh, white students in the class that uh, in school that were there 40, 50, 60 years ago. Uh, I think we can make it a more inviting and more dynamic uh, city hall by uh, portraying more the past, present and our future ambitions of a city on our in our interior of the city hall. The failure of the council to condemn the Confederate and Nazi flags in uh, our community parades was uh, a terrible decision. And then when we, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we were informed that someone had written the word nigger on uh, Hope Playground in Sam Johnson Park, uh, that should have received universal condemnation, but it, but it did not. And so it just invites, um, I'll call it a atmosphere of contention, permissive yeah. uh, for white supremacy. And, and, and that's just wrong. We have to address these and address these vigorously to make sure that everyone no matter their race, creed, color, is welcome here, uh, so long as they become a good citizen and, and work toward a better community. But these kinds of, this kind of conduct of expressing white supremacist views, just uh, it cannot be tolerated and should be universally condemned. I have to say from my vantage point, I'm always disappointed when I see that I guess, for lack of a better term, outlaw activities are, are condoned. And when you let one outlaw activity go, well, it's going to lead to more more of the same. And uh, I think that even bleeds over into the way we drive our cars. 
Well, the other one was the uh, demonstration at the Rebin High School by uh, some group, uh, you know, some who were against masking. Uh, and believe me, I'm not a strong proponent of masking at the state at that stage of the game. Everyone was tired of it after a couple of years. But, you know, there was evidence that masking, particularly in public situations, helped. But for a group of adults to prey on high school students, uh, offering them money to come uh, or move food to uh, join their side and and to encourage them to violate student rules, it was just, to me, it, it was totally inappropriate to have these adults prey on these students in that fashion and should have been condemned by the entire council. But again, it was not. So, these kinds of activities should never occur in our community. I'm all for free speech, but you don't prey on students. There's a line to be drawn there. Yeah, in some sense of the word, I think that students should be well-informed, but not pushed into any single position or coerced into a single position. I think that that's one of the things that's lacking in American politics is collaboration. And unfortunately, when one side decides to put a a definite division, it really makes it difficult. What happened in terms of the, the DEI, the diversity, inclusion, and equity situation? I I know that became an issue at one point and it's kind of disappeared. Um, Like I said, at the last council meeting or one before is we do have you know, great written policies on diversity and equity and inclusion, but we don't have the actions to support those written policies. Um, We don't take the action to be more inclusive by, you know, when we send messages out and have the entire interior of the city hall saying this is for white people only, which is really the subtle message there. Uh, And I'll give you an example. The city hall formerly was a school, no question about it, but it was a school for a long time. It was a high school. It was a grade school. My kids went there in the 90s and um, and uh, and then it had a more diverse space. But none of those were considered appropriate for the interior of the city hall. Only this ancient white only. And, and there's just weird pictures of guys spanking gal. I mean, it's just weird. And uh it's just it's just inappropriate and why we don't take action to correct it is beyond my comprehension Uh, everyone likes old school yearbooks but you don't put them in everybody's face day in day out for years it's just it's just wrong yeah i think one of the things that most impressed me about your bio is the fact that you have a master's degree in history so you've had an excellent opportunity to see the things that have led us to where we are today are we going to be able to change directions well, you know, history is in a lot of ways cyclical. Uh, back in the 1850s, we had a party known as the Know Nothing Party, and they were all against immigration, against uh, Catholics, against Jews. And, you know, now we have the Republican Party, which is not that far off. And some, not the whole party, but some factions of it. But I mean, the, the thing that we need to do is make sure that steer our community in a very positive direction. I'm not crazy of the far left. I'm not crazy of the far right. There's 90% of what we do or 95% is really just common sense, trying to make things better for the entire community. There are about 5% of these, I'll call it social issues that are flashpoints as to where we're going to go. But we need to take a common sense and inclusive approach on that and make sure that all our citizens feel that they're being treated the same way and are respected. 
Yeah. It, you know, I couldn't agree more fully. And like I say, sadly, history does sort of repeat itself. Just the technology changes. And, and now with technological changes, everything's different. Uh, so having been mayor, do you see a distinct challenge moving forward for whoever becomes the mayor or who remains as mayor? Well, I think the mayor, from my perspective, and it's, you know, the role is laid out in the charter and I wrote the charter and I've worked with a lot of mayors here in Redmond. Should they have a more open uh, approach towards debate and towards discussion, uh, be more inclusive than uh, what we've seen in the last couple of years? Uh, we don't have that open debate. We don't have that open discussion. We don't have that open agenda where counselors can bring stuff up and just have them on the agendas for discussion. And that's really a more healthy approach so that no one feels like uh, their voice is not being heard. What we see today is we just say, well, if four of us don't want to talk about something, we're just not even going to talk about it. I'm sorry, but that's just a very narrow and inappropriate approach. I couldn't agree more fully. Uh, I have to say, as we come close to the end of the, the interview, are there any things that you would like to say in closing? After all, you are a lawyer. I would just say that I'm so impressed um, year in, year out by the number of people in our community who go out of their way to volunteer their time and their resources to help those who are less fortunate. It's just, you know, it it is mind boggling how many people are doing that, whether you go to St. Vincent de Paul, Jericho Road, Bethlehem Inn, uh, Shepherd's House. It's just amazing how many people are out there helping others. And as a city, we need to help these people and put them in a position where they can do it so much more effectively. And we haven't done it yet, but I hope we will in the future. I have to say that I've watched enough of the city council meetings that I'm absolutely Absolutely. comfortable with what you have shown thus far. And hopefully, as we move forward, things will be in a positive fashion. Ed, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to more contact in the future. Thank you for having me, and have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, please visit kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcasts at kpov.org.